We don't have to do this. You know that, right? <sighs> What's the other option? Go back to Tommy's. Be done with this whole damn thing. After all we've been through. Everything that I've done. It can't be for nothing. Hello there, and welcome to episode 18 of the video game podcast, PlayStation Pals. I'm your host, Nick, and I'm joined by the Ethan Winters to my Lady D, John. Now, John, we've turned 18. This means that this is an adult podcast, which means you can drink if you want, and we can <laughs> say whatever the hell we want. Awesome, man. Well, uh, jizz. Sorry? <laughs> well, that's also that's, that's fitting, because I'm not wearing pants, any pants for this episode either, so, you know, I think we, uh, we turned 18 at the right point. <laughs> Perfect. I don't even want to know any more about the no pants thing. Yeah, but, well, you know, when you're when you're not at work, Nick, you know, all all bets are off. <laughs> and there are no rules about swearing, but let's try let's do try and keep the comments and questions related <laughs> to the podcast. All right, John. <laughs> you got it. You got it, Nick. I don't want anybody to have the worst podcast they've ever had. <laughs> uh, all right. So let's get right into the format because we got a lot to talk about. So this is how it works. John and I bring three things to talk about. It can be a video game we're playing, a news item, an email to PlayStationPalsPod at gmail.com, Twitter DM at PSPalsPod, any of those things. We have an open format. If, you, if we feel like talking about it, we'll bring it. So let's get right into it, John. What are you bringing first? Oh, it's our monthly tradition, Nick. You know, we got to have at least a couple topics a month about this. <laughs> Otherwise, what kind of PlayStation podcast would we be? Uh, so I wanted to talk, you know, go over the PlayStation Extra uh, and premium games for the month. Since Sony is, uh, you know, not listening to us in the sense that we would appreciate if they just gave us all these games at one time. You know, we have to now be on the lookout twice uh, in a month. So not a big deal, though. Um, but yeah, just wanted to run down this list real quick and then we can sure. kind of get our thoughts. Uh, so the big marquee title, you know, the, the big title that they have taking up the most amount of space on the infographic they put out is uh, Grand Theft Auto Vice City Definitive Edition. Uh, this is the remake slash remaster that came out uh, to pretty poor reception uh, last year, but this is just the Vice City uh, game out of that trilogy. Uh, and then we're also getting the other big game of the month, I would say, is Dragon Quest XI, uh, the S uh, edition, which is basically the definitive edition of the game. Um, that's coming to PlayStation 4. Uh, I should have said uh, Vice City is coming to PS4 and PS5. Uh, and then we're also getting a slew of Assassin's Creed titles. You know, they feels like they just needed to get the rest of them out onto there that weren't already on the service. So we got Assassin's Creed Odyssey, uh, a lot of people's favorite of that new Assassin's Creed formula. Uh, and then we have Assassin's uh, Assassin's Creed Syndicate, uh, Assassin's Creed 3 Remastered, as well as a trilogy of the uh, kind of forgotten about 2D Assassin's Creed games that they came out with a couple years ago. Uh, the Assassin's Creed Chronicles games, which is China, Russia, and India. Those are three different games at three different settings. Um, so we're getting all that. Uh, and then additionally, we are getting the Dragon Quest Builders 1 and 2. Uh, as well as Dragon Quest Heroes 1 and 2. So kind of an odd choice to release both of those since I think everybody's just going to, why would anybody want to play 1 as opposed to 2 uh, for either of those? 
Uh, and then additionally, just a couple more, we're getting the medium for PS5, uh, which is a Bloober Team game that was exclusive for Xbox. I believe it was a launch title. If not, it was a pretty close to release for the next gen system. So uh, if you are a fan of horror games and stuff like that, you can check that out. Uh, and then a couple more, um, Hohokam, which is a PS4, um, it's, it's one of the weirdest games I've ever played. You basically play as this little line where you're kind of like flying around and doing weird, goofy things. It's a very niche title, so, you know, uh, might be for some of you out there. Then we have Naruto to Baruto, Shinobi Striker, uh, coming to PS4. This one's kind of a... Uh, rubs me the wrong way because we just got this game for PS Plus back in June. <laughs> so it just kind of seems like that's a little extra padding that they're trying to pass some people. And then last but not least, uh, a gem of a PS4 game. Nick, I actually I want to want to make sure you get to this one because I know you haven't played it, and that's Inside, uh, which is from Playdead, uh, who did uh, Limbo. Um, so very much... Does it have a platinum? Oh, go ahead. It doesn't. It does I'm not have a platinum. I'm sorry. This, I know. If they don't have platinums, that's the policy of this podcast. If they don't Do, have a uh, platinum, we don't play them. Yeah, I know. And that, that I looked that up today, too, just because <laughs> I thought I remember when I played it that there wasn't one. Because it is a game that you... In fact, I would encourage anybody who is going to play that game, play it in one sitting if you can. It's about three hours. It's not a long time. Um, but if you played Limbo, the gameplay is very similar. You know, you're kind of going just walking to the right, but there's environmental puzzles and things like that. Um, and then... Additionally, we have a couple games coming to the premium tier list. Um, so that is the highest tier. Um, you know, if you're a subscriber there, you're going to get those classic games, PS1 games, as well as some PS3 games. Um, only PS3 games this month. So, again, kind of a weird start to the service, I, I think. Uh, but we're getting Yakuza 3, 4, and 5. Uh, Limbo, as I was just talking about, that was from Play Dead, the game that came out before Inside. Uh, then you're getting Ultra Street Fighter 4, Castlevania Lords of the Shadow, and Everyday Shooter. Um, so not great on the premium front, but uh, Nick, what, what kind of stands out for you from this list? Is there anything you're excited to play? Uh, yeah, Dragon Quest Eleven is pretty up there. Uh, we have a friend of the show that just recently played the fuck out of this game. I think yeah. around 100 hours, so... And I know uh, Video Game Donkey also thought very highly of this game. And it is sitting at an 88. Um, so that is one that I, I definitely want to check out. And then as well, much as uh, I, hold on. Oh, 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 slight, slight correction, slight correction. The S edition is actually sitting at a 92, Nick. Oh, yes. shit. Okay. Yes, the, the standard is 88. But the S, which they I know they added the ability. You can play the whole game in, like, old school 2D sprite stuff, which is uh -huh. pretty cool. They, they really gave a lot of extra bells and whistles. But anyway, just wanted to correct you there. Sure, sure. Uh, and then, as much as I just said that about Inside, I actually do want to check it out because uh, <laughs> I've never yeah, played I it, and uh, <laughs> I enjoyed Limbo, so I should probably check this out. Um, but uh, other than that, no, not really. Dragon Quest Heroes is a Muso game, so no dice. Yeah. Dragon Quest Builders, no, that doesn't look good. And then everything else is just is just okay. Um, and and yeah. that being said, all these games are coming out like. At the kind of the wrong time, Playtale uh -huh. Requiem comes out on the same day that these come out, and then we're going right into that big boy, that big God yeah. of War Ragnarok. So I probably won't be touching a single one of these games, maybe inside, but that's it. But it's a good list. Yeah. I do like it. 
Yep, herein lies the fallacy of the subscription model, man. It's like I, I have been wanting to get to Dragon Quest Eleven for years, but to try and fit a hundred hour JP JRPG in somewhere is damn near impossible. So I don't know if we'll be able to touch that. But yeah, I, I think it's a pretty good list overall too. You know, Inside is also a ninety one on Metacritic or Open Critic. So, you know, we got a, a, a duo of ninety plus game titles in there. Um, and you know, I think if you kind of know what your tastes are, like for instance, Dragon Quest Builders, I played the first one, it was actually pretty enjoyable and I don't even like those type of games. Uh, but those are sitting at an 83 and an 85 respectively on open critics. So like obviously they're well put together games in that genre. And even the Heroes Muso games, those are 77 and 78, which is pretty good for that genre. Um, but it seems like this month is a combination of niche titles that are gonna, you know, maybe hit a couple different people like they like they say a lot of times at conferences, right, Nick? Is like it doesn't they don't expect every one of these things to hit for every single person, but mm-hmm. if you can find one or two things in a list, you know, then I think developers and publishers and, and companies like Sony, you know, they they consider that a win. So sure. um yeah, I would encourage you just to kind of take your own taste into this. Like, you know, if you like horror games, maybe check out the medium. That got a 92 from PC Gamer, but only a 4 from Metro Game Central. So, you know, there's a lot of uh, polarizing stuff in this. But, um, yeah, overall, pretty good list. I do find it funny that it seems like there is this weird thing going on with the uh, the extras tiers where they're just making deals with franchises. We've gotten, like, every Yakuza game, every Assassin's Creed game. Now it seems like we're getting every Dragon Quest yeah. game. So, you know, it seems like these deals that are being made for this stuff, it's, it's like a... Hey, we want your, all your shit. We don't want just one or two. We want all of it. So I don't know. Maybe one day we'll start seeing Resident Evil get rolled into it, or you know, Final Fantasy. Some like some of these older, you know, storied franchises that they have a, a ton of stuff to do. But uh, yeah, not too bad. Yeah, and it's also weird that they, we're eating Dragon Quest Builders one and two, Dragon Quest Heroes one and two. Yeah. Like my thinking would be like have October be one of the games, and then November be the other one, but. Yeah, which is it's, yeah, that's just that's why I think it seems like whatever deal was made, it was just like, hey, we we're gonna purchase your whole catalog, and, and Sony then just made the decision that you know maybe they have there. There's a reality too where like companies are dying to get into that program. I don't know, you know, because mm-hmm. we know how many PS4s are in the wild. We know how strong of a brand Sony is, and you know the, the exposure that these these companies can get. So yeah, there might just be a list of like, yeah, hey, we want all our franchises, take it all, take it all, take it all, right. and yeah, and they're just moving on to the next thing. So. I don't know. Um, you know, it is kind of weird subscribing to it, though, and knowing that I'm not going to play any of these things. I'm like, well, is, is it worth it? But, of course, you know, it still the, is. It is. It still is. The the value is incredible. Because, again, nothing, I, I know there was that article about Soma coming off on 1018, but in that article, they didn't mention any any games being removed yet still. Like, <laughs> well, what's really weird is Red Dead Two has been removed, but again, I I haven't I've I saw articles oh. about Soma, but I didn't see articles about Red Dead. So like, it's just really weird to me that 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 happens. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, no I, I mean, from Sony about what's coming off. Not that I saw because <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, my like my friend who lives in Colorado, he uh, he fell in love with Red Dead Two when he got his PS Five about a month ago, and he texted me the other day. He's like, "What the heck did they?" what happened to Red Dead? And I was like, what do you mean? And I, I went to the store and, you know, it, it told me that I had to buy it. So it's not, it's not extra anymore. I don't know why, but uh, okay. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. There's, there's some, there's some, you need a, a sleuthy eye, an investigative eye for some of this shit, man. And that's kind of like, I guess a small little thing about the, these new services is there's so many things coming and going and moving pieces that, you know, you could 
get something swept around under your feet, and then you're like, well, shit, I was halfway through that. Now I have to go buy it. Yeah, Maybe that's, that's intentional. But no, that, yeah. I hope not. I know at least yeah. Xbox announces all the games leaving Game Pass, so I, yeah. that's, that's frustrating. Like, we should know, like, 30 days out. So right. if, if they go, hey, Dragon Quest Eleven is going to be out January 1st, well, fuck, I'm going to make sure in December I'm playing <laughs> Dragon Quest Eleven right. before it gets uh, removed. So that that is... I don't yeah, like we'll that have to. Yeah, we'll have to see. Maybe I, you know, next week we can. Uh, if there's a list of games that have been removed or whatever, more things that we don't know of, we'll, we'll make sure we bring that. But uh, yeah, something to note at least for sure. And what do you make of this asterisk that's on Assassin's Creed India, Russia, and Syndicate that says it's PS4 only? I have no fucking idea, <laughs> man. I mean. You know, I, I consider myself, you and I, you know, we have a fucking podcast, right? We, we're pretty in tune with this shit. And, you know, usually you can kind of read between the lines or, or think of a reason. But the fact that two out of the three Assassin's Creed Chronicle games are only PS4 and the other one isn't, I, I don't know what that's about. <laughs> um, you know, Sony, I think, is pretty known for being poor on the software side, you know, they, they seem to struggle when it comes to, you know, like obviously the infamous name change thing, um, or, you know, porting all the games from PS4 to PS5. I remember when the console got rolled out, there was like a list of 15 games, even though they were, they were minor games, but they just couldn't figure out how to do it. So this might just be a situation where like, I don't know, man, these are broken, but at least we'll release them because, uh, (laughs) you know, we can get them on the PS4 and that's where, you know, there's 120 million of them out there, but it's weird for sure. Yeah, I'm gonna, I think I'm going to look for these on a Tuesday to see if I can, it's even possible to download them to my PS5. Yeah. That'll be, yeah, that'll that's be good interesting. Call. Um, weird. All right. Well, a decent month again, for sure. Yeah. I'm gonna wrap it up. All right. So let's move on, since, again, this is the 18th episode, the adults-only uh, episode of the podcast. I wanted to it's, cover... What? It's not for kids. Yeah, it's not for kids. That's right. (laughs) (laughs) I wanted to talk about what also is not for kids, and that is M-rated games. So, if you're probably aware of, especially if you're younger, uh, the ESRB rates all the games, and if a game's rated M, technically, uh, you have to be 17 or older to buy it. I know John and I are older now. We haven't cared about these ratings in a long time. But I, I kind of want to just talk about M-rated games, and typically that falls into two categories, right? How, just like movies, right? It's violence mm-hmm. and sex. Yep. So I kind of just wanted to talk about those two things in relation to video games. Uh, John, do you have any M-rated games that you wanted to talk about in regards to those two subjects? Uh, yeah, I mean, a couple, you know, I, I have a couple memories of being, you know, probably getting into some things a little bit before I should have, um, you know, I'm, I'll date myself, you know, I'm 33, right? So I am right in the middle of that growing up with Grand Theft Auto age, right? Mm-hmm. You know, I remember being 13 years old and seeing Grand Theft Auto 3 and just needing that game, right? You know, all, you know, my older, I had older uh, friends playing it. I had, you know, friends with siblings who had it and so I saw what it was and so we did what all kids do is try to you know explain to your parents who obviously don't know anything about this medium why you should be able to get it and talk your way around it and they wouldn't let me do it 
which these are the parents who bought me Limp Biscuit and the chocolate starfish and the hot dog flavored water or whatever when that album came out and I was like 11. So I, I didn't understand it. So what did I have to do? Well, I went up to Blockbuster and fucking argued and bartered and pleaded with the guy, you know, the 18 year old snot nosed kid to let me buy it from him. And he did. So I had it. So it was good. Um, but, you know, obviously, you know, I don't need to say anything more about Grand Theft Auto, whether it's, you know, running people over with your car, prostitutes, all that good stuff. Mm -hmm. um, but, you know, when I think of specific instances in video games, uh, M-rated M instances, um, I think there's three maybe that really stick out for me. One is is the God of War sex minigame from the first one, right? You know, <laughs> I think I, I think what, you know, that game came out in 2005, so I was 16. Um, you know, what 16-year-old boy doesn't want to consistently just do the sex minigame? <laughs> so, you know, you, you know, did that probably more times than I'm I'm care to admit. Um, which one and then, was your favorite? Which God of War which, sex minigame? Well, the one I'm thinking of is the very, it's like in the very beginning of the first game. Uh -huh. That's the, that's the one ship. I think of, right, you're on the ship fighting the Hydra and you just like, I don't know, are learning what currency is and they're like, well, here, have sex with this woman to get currency. I'm like, <laughs> oh, okay, <laughs> that sounds good. <laughs> you know, and, and it does, the, it does the, the, the ridiculous thing where I think it's like, you know, some QTEs, some yeah. quick time events and like, yeah. once you get to the climax quote unquote you know you're, you're pressing you're pressing the button faster 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 and it's just yeah. you know it's absurd but so there's that one really really sticks out um infamously call of duty no russian is uh you know on the other end of the spectrum like you said uh the violence side where you're doing some pretty heinous things during that scene you know being a terrorist shooting innocent people is did you play that level because you do have the option to skip it nick of course i played that level did you not? Yeah, no, I, I played it. I just, I'm just curious. Oh, okay. Because they gave you the option to skip it, and then, yeah. And then my follow-up question is that: Did you, did you, did you pull the trigger? I killed every single person. Wow. Wow. Yes. Every, what a monster. <laughs> Dude, I was like, I don't know what year did what year did Modern Warfare Two come out? I, I don't know, probably 2005 again, 2005, 2006. No. I was a way. 17. I was a. No, I mean, I think COD Four was like 2004, wasn't it? 2009. <laughs> was it really? Yeah. Dang. All right. Well, I was I was 20. Yeah. So you know, whatever. I don't care about human life. What am I supposed to care? Yeah, you're you're a monster. that some uh technical difficulties there john yeah, the, was such uh, a horrible human being that the podcast <laughs> said to boot him yeah the esrb i guess <laughs> did not approve of our <laughs> of this podcast <laughs> sorry guys um so yeah anyway uh no russian you know i don't think i need to say anything more about that and then the last one here uh that i think of is uh do you ever play duke nukem 3d nick Yes. So <laughs> as as you mentioned the like the game I shouldn't have been playing. Uh, yeah. that that was up there. Yep. Shake it baby. <laughs> well and and keep keep in mind, Nick, you're five years older than I am. So <laughs> yeah, I should not have been playing that game either, but you know, the the very crude night like late nineties PC graphics of strippers with nipple pasties on and 
you know, just it, it was very akin to like watching, you know, um, uh, like Showtime or Cinemax or whatever that stuff where you're trying to watch the porn, the porn through the, uh, you know, the the static. It's it's not quite there, but as a kid, you don't care. You just oh boobs. Ooh. Well, internet porn wasn't a thing, so uh, you know you that's also you true. So <laughs> that is true, but uh, yeah, those are those are kind of like the main ones I think of. You know, there's some honorable mentions like God of War three, just being overly violent, ripping heads and stuff off. But mm-hmm. the, the last thing that I wanted to say, about, at least for me, about M-rated games, and I kind of just realized this as I was doing a little bit of research for it, is it seems like to tell a story that gets cherished and heralded to the level like of a last of us you almost have to have an m-rated game i was kind of looking down the list it's like the last of us red dead half-life silent hill 2 bioshock mass effect witcher 3 walking dead persona (laughs) series metal gear franchise near automata even life is strange quantic dream until dawn these are all m-rated games and like i was just trying to find non-m-rated games that tell super strong stories and uh you know, the only, like, Portal, Chrono Trigger, you know, some JRPGs, of course, but I just find it interesting, you know, that us as a, as a human, you know, society, whatever you want to say, that we really latch on to the M-rated stuff, right, whether it's violence, sex, it, it just allows for more real uh, adult stories to be told, which are the ones that we typically latch on to. So I just I just found that pretty interesting, you know, where the, the best storytelling games are almost always rated M, and if it's not rated M, you know, the if to, for a game to truly ascend to that top tier level, it has to really just nail something else. Like the Mario games nails platforming, um, or you know, Journey is a an experience. But it's mm-hmm. just I found I found it interesting and something I never really thought of of how integral storytelling is to a mature like sensibility. I guess I found yeah. it interesting. And in video games, just the mechanics alone, uh, you know, lend very well to violence. You know, right. you know, you got to interact with something on screen. Uh, you got you're usually shooting it or beating it up or chopping it in half. You know, so right. <laughs> so that's just how it's gonna be. Um, yeah, I was thinking about like with violence, like what I what like sticks with me, and usually if the game is like more like more lifelike and more human, like the worst it is for me, like I, I like it upsets me. So mm-hmm. like I think of like The Last of Us Part Two, especially right. Yeah. Like not only the story moments in that game and the ending of that game, which I was just like, just like exhausted. It was so like just was getting to me, but yeah, even just like. You- fighting the NPCs and then them saying, no, 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 don't shoot me, and you shoot them, or are they calling out of the uh, characters after you kill one, it's like, oh, God, I hate doing this. <laughs> Man, I remember you. I remember when you came to work uh, the day after you did the, the end of The Last of Us 2, and, yeah, you are like, dude, I, like, I like had to take a, a second. And I was like, man, am I just a cold, dead individual? Because I was like, yeah, it's fine. <laughs> oh, yeah. The name, the name calling and all that stuff. Yeah, whatever. Yeah, yeah. screw you, Jimmy. Fuck you, Jimmy. <laughs> yeah, I think I think we're learning a lot about you in this podcast. You're yeah. one evil motherfucker. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Hey, this is uh, this is where you learn the real John. I'm an adult. We're in the adult section now, buddy. Yeah, and then even like in like the Tomb Raider reboot, like some of the or, or like a Dead Space, as we mentioned, like some of the deaths and that are just like, oh my god, you can't, you, you have to look away. You yeah. know, watching Laura Croft get a, a stick impaled through her, her face is not is not fun to watch. But you know, if you yeah. keep failing a certain part, you have to see it over and over again. 
And then, I mean, if we're talking about violence in video games, we have to talk about Mortal Kombat. Like, the whole fatalities yeah. thing, which is just another thing that's getting worse and worse is, like, the graphics, the fidelity of graphics gets better and better. Like, if you watch those Mortal Kombat 11 um, fatalities, uh, some of them you might you might close your eyes on because they're pretty rough. It's it's pretty incredible when you think about you know I don't so eleven mainline Mortal Kombat games at the very least right and we'll just say an average of fifteen characters per game. That's a lot of fatalities they have to think of. <laughs> <laughs> they have to go to some deep dark places to ratchet things up still. Right, so right. yeah, it's pretty it's pretty interesting. Yeah, how many times can Sub Zero rip a spine out? How many different ways? <laughs> yeah. Well, how many ways can how many ways can you freeze a person <laughs> in that many ways? Exactly. Yeah. And then, and then on, the, on the sex side of things, it's like video game sex is just hilarious. Like, it's always very uh, cartoony. Like, it's, yeah. it's not even like... It's not even like something like you could be into because it's so absurd sometimes, you know. Like, like it was a big payoff, like in the Mass Effect games, right? You would romance a certain character, or or, dra- or Dragon Age Inquisition. I'll put in there as well. Uh, but you'd romance a character the whole game, you know, be all cute and flirty, and then you would get to this, you know, the, the sex scene, and it would be just like <laughs> make you laugh. It's so, <laughs> so bad. <laughs> and, and even uh, like the recent games, like The Witcher Three, you know, all the all the people that Geralt uh, hooks up with, all the scenes are just they're just funny. And I, yeah. I well, sometimes I wonder if that's like that's intentional. <laughs> you know, like, it's probably it's probably it might be sometimes intentional, but I gotta imagine much like like writing like comedy or something everything so it's it's got to be so hard to write an authentic like scene like that that has emotion mm-hmm. on that level right. you, you know i i it's it's so hard to do i can only think of one instance that is not cringy to me and that's again the last of us 2 is you know they're so good at character building and naughty mm-hmm. dog is that that like you actually believe ellie and and dina right mm-hmm. dina's her name yeah, yeah. you know you, you actually believe it so yeah yeah, and then and then with like uh, cyberpunk, you know, the, like the first person sex scenes on that, that there's something like games are getting there, <laughs> like, like the oh. characters are looking more and more real, and it's like, oh shit. Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> you know? Just wait till Unreal Five really starts to get unleashed, man. It's gonna be it's gonna be nuts. Yeah. So, uh, it, you know, again, you know, as you mentioned, like just video games lend themselves well to violence and. You know, there's so many M-rated games, so many out there. They're all M-rated, you know. The second yeah. you have to shoot people, it's M-rated, you know. It's true. <laughs> or if there's any blood, it's going to be M-rated, so. Um, you, you know, you did bring up something interesting, though, Nick, because I never really kind of thought about how I, I process things. Obviously, we're learning right now that I am a cold-hearted individual, but, mm-hmm. um, you know, violence in ga- there there are a few instances that I can think of that, like, kind of made me like feel something like the stomach, my stomach drop. And Mm -hmm. the one that does it the most is, it's a very specific moment and maybe you have just seen it, I'm not sure. You know, we'll find out when you talk about The Last of Us, but in The Last of Us Part One, there's this scene where Joel is climbing up a ladder and he falls. (laughs) And like this not sharp rebar piece goes through his back and through his gut. And that, when I, that happened for the first time, I, I went like, oh, no. Like, I, I stood up immediately and, like, grabbed the part of my body <laughs> that that happened to him. And I think the reason I did that is because that is a situation that I can envision myself in. I can't envision uh-huh. myself having a zombie attack me. I can't envision myself, you know, falling or, or doing these crazy 
things that we see in video games all the time, but I could, I can, I can, I can feel myself falling off a ladder and something like that happening. It's like, oh God. So there is something I think to the, the sense of realism lending itself to how much it truly does affect me, I guess. Sure. Sure. Yeah. Any, both Last of Us games are full of violence like that, you know. Yeah. You know, that, that violence, you can you can feel yourself, you know. You can picture happening to you, you know. Broken but even goals, something broken bones. Ugh. Yeah, yeah no, for, for sure. <laughs> but even something like, you know, like, yeah, like in The Last of Us, if somebody slits somebody's throat with a knife, it's like I can't really imagine that in my life because it would mm-hmm. just it, – but I can see myself being a klutz and falling and going, oh, God. Um, <laughs> no, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I hear you. Well, no, definitely relatable violence is definitely uh, definitely a thing, for sure. Yeah, it's... Ugh, ugh. <laughs> All right, so I think we're done here, so let's move on to the next topic. All right, so speaking of rated M games, um, so kind of continuing our spooky October theme, uh, we got to talk about the granddaddy of the horror franchises, my friend. What, what franchise do you think that is, Nick? <laughs> uh, I know what it is. It is... Resident Evil, or is it Biohazard? <laughs> no, dude, it's layers, layers of fear. Come on. <laughs> oh yeah, Resident Evil. And you actually skipped ahead. I was actually going to ask you. I was going to quiz you to see if you know what this uh, franchise was called in Japan. So well done. <laughs> it's called Biohazard. So uh, yeah, we, similar to you know what we've been doing here. You know, kind of want to cover the big franchises, the big uh, you know things in gaming that we've we've all spent you know 25, 30 years around. And Resident Evil seemed like the perfect time to talk about it. So mm-hmm. r- first thing I want to do here, Nick, is I want to just get a sense of which Resident Evil game you've played okay okay so I'm gonna go through the mainline games I skipped things like revelations because I don't think you're ever were a 3ds guy but mm-hmm. so um, have you played Resident Evil 1 1996 Resident Evil 1 no I played the GameCube remake okay that, that is on Res- PlayStation now yep uh, Resident Evil 2 1998 no. uh, I pl- okay I have played that one yes yep when it came out okay okay Resident Evil 3 no okay Code Veronica. Nope. Okay. Uh, Resident Evil Zero. That would be weird if you yes. have. Yes. Really? Okay. Yeah, that was on GameCube. Uh, okay. Resident Evil 4, obviously. Yep. Resident Evil 5. Yep. I have <coughs> all the achievements in Resident Evil 5. Wow, look at you. Six. No. I, I, I yeah. take that back. I've played it, not beaten it. That game is horrible. It is the worst. <laughs> uh, seven. Nope. Yeah, and I know you didn't do eight because you're a first-person coward. Uh, and then, and you and you haven't touched either of the two remakes, right? Correct. Other than the, I played the demo for two. Okay, so you have Resident Evil two, zero, four, five, six, and then I have Resident Evil three, four, five, seven, two remake, three remake, and eight. So I have seven, you have five. So we're we're both kind of you know pretty close there, but. Mm-hmm. So I just want to kind of get a, a quick history because this is a very interesting franchise, right? You know, a lot of a lot of franchises that last this long, they've lasted this long for a reason. There's there's a, a history there, you know, there's a fan base and all that good stuff. But I don't know if there's as many franchises that have gone up and down as Resident Evil has. And and maybe it's it's not it's not up and down and then up and down and then up and down and then up and down, but they went through some shit back in like the late 2000s, early 2010s, man. You know, they were they had a kind of an identity crisis um, where they didn't really know where to take the franchise because you can kind of dissect the the Resident Evil games into like a 
three different trilogies actually, which is which is kind of interesting. You have your PlayStation One trilogies, Resident Evil One, Two, and Three, which were you know all very similar styles. You know, close corridors. You're probably in a single location, right? The hardware is pretty limited. And then you know they had to expand the formula. You know, you got your Code Veronicas and your Resident Evil Zeros, but I would almost classify those as spinoffs. Um, and then you had your Four, Five, and Six trilogy, and this is when the the series kind of took an action route where Resident Evil 4 came out and I think it's pretty much agreed upon that Resident Evil 4 is the is the one. If anybody was going to pick a single Resident Evil 4 that's that's the best, it's almost always that. Mm -hmm. But there's also a lot of people that kind of blame Resident Evil 4 for taking the franchise in a poor direction that lasted about 15 years into, or I'm sorry, probably about 10 to 12 years before they were actually re able, able to regain what made Resident Evil special. Because four was very action heavy. It was the first, you know, close over the over the uh, the shoulder third person camera angle, which actually it's like the genesis of that camera angle for all the third person games we have going forward. Um, so it's obviously very very important in that regard. But then I think the the people at Capcom they they took the lessons they learned from that game and just and applied them in the wrong way. They just started to go far too much into the action, not enough of the claustrophobic, atmospheric things that people, you know, liked a, a mixture of when they got with 4. And then it culminated with 6, which was basically an action game. I didn't play it, so, you know, I don't know if you want to even speak on 6 because nobody likes that game. But as far as I understand, <laughs> it was just it was just like a third-person shooter, right? Like, Yeah, it was weird because there were three different campaigns, and each campaign was like kind of like an era, as you mentioned, or a trilogy, where uh, one was more like the original Resident Evils, and then the, you had the Chris Redfield, which was more like four through five, and then there was the the, the batshit crazier one. I forget I forget the characters that were in that, but that's they had some new character there. I think that was Wesker's daughter, or something. Okay. It got really anime in that third campaign, but I could not complete a single one. They were all bad. That game played horribly, didn't feel good, and yeah, the writing was just oh my god. <laughs> yeah, it's just it's just it's just so weird. Like Resident Evil Four has a ninety six on Metacritic, ninety six. Mm -hmm. Resident Evil Six has a sixty. So it's just they lost an identity. <laughs> they lost what they were doing, and that's why I think Resident Evil Seven is so incredible. It's you know it's honestly one of my favorite games from two thousand seventeen. One of my favorite games on PlayStation Four. Just because they finally realized what they needed to do with that franchise and what made it truly special. It was going back to that claustrophobic, atmospheric, you know, presentation. We're going back to a house, you know, where you have to deal with the, um, ah, crap, I can't remember the family's name. <laughs> Well, you know, but the but it had you know the the Texas Chainsaw Massacre style Louisiana Bayou family that you just felt their presence the entire time and and um, really reinvigorated the series so much so that they decided to stick with the first person formula into Village and you know it seems I don't know if they're going to do that for nine or not mm -hmm. um, but you know they're kind of back where they were Capcom Capcom as a company is kind of back where they were in those you know the heyday where they were able to you know. Um, I don't know if they were able to focus a little bit more or just figure out what it was that the people wanted, but um, definitely excited to see where the series goes from here on out. Um, but just a, a couple, a couple of things, Nick. I mean, do you know the uh, the creator of the Resident Evil franchise? You're gonna say his name, and then I'll know. It's uh, what is it, Shinji Mikami? <laughs> yeah, good boy. Yep, Shinji Mikami. Um, just uh, he, you know, and do you also know what game? 
So he was he was the director of of uh, Resident Evil Four, right? He's the creator of the whole series, but he hasn't directed every game. But he was the director of Resident Evil Four. Do you know what game was originally supposed to be Resident Evil Four? Uh, it was a Devil May Cry game, wasn't it? Yep. Yep, Devil May Cry 1. So Devil May Cry was originally supposed to be Resident Evil 4, and uh, they decided to make it its own thing after kind of realizing that it wasn't really what they wanted the franchise to be, but also that it was this cool-ass idea. So Shinji Mikami also brought us Devil May Cry, and then can you name the other semi-famous slash famous franchise that he is the uh, creator of? Uh, is that at The Evil Within? Yep, all right. You get a cookie. <laughs> good, good job, Nick. I expect my oh. cookie. <laughs> you will get a cookie, um, but yeah, I mean, what what are do you have any overall thoughts on the on the series, Nick? I, you know, it's a it's not for me as high tier as something like a God of War uh, or a Last of Us, but it is still obviously the the horror franchise in gaming, and a lot of people have a lot of fond memories with it. So, any anything you want to say on the yeah, on Resident I, Evil? When, when I was thinking about this topic, I, I was trying to think like, why is this the one? Like, why is this the premier horror franchise? Like, we're not even getting into like the externally. Like, this thing, this uh, property has had movies, television shows. Yeah. Like, not just like one or two, like a billion. Like, <laughs> like there's yeah. so many out there. Like, what did? It, what do you think of the DNA of Resident Evil makes it so attractive? Because when you think of like even like the earlier games, like the tank controls, you know, you're there. They were isometric views where you're you had to solely turn your character to walk in that direction, you know. So like the mm-hmm. controls were that, and then the famous line, the Jill sandwich. So even the writing was kind of goofy. <laughs> Episode eighteen. We're we're the podcast is getting a little surly, and it's adult Nick. You age. can't you can't talk about the insurrection. You can't do it, Nick. Stop it. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, but back to our topic. Like, what what do you think it is about Resident Evil that makes it so popular? Like, what what is the thing that I know? Like, Resident Evil Four is definitely a very very good game. Um, mm-hmm. But what do you think of why, why do you think this franchise is is so beloved and so obsessed with? Like I said, it's just it's it's reach extends everywhere and and very successfully everywhere except for the current Netflix show, <laughs> you know? Yeah, yeah, the current Netflix. Yeah, um, I think when you have to evaluate Resident Evil, much like anything, especially in media, you need to compare it against its contemporaries. And when Resident Evil One came out in 1996. I'm sure there's others, but in t- from what I can think of is the only thing we really had in the survival horror genre was probably Alone in the Dark. And if you look up screenshots of that game now, it is, man, it is the earliest form of polygonal 3D things you can possibly look at. It's, it's nothing, nothing pretty. And so when that came out, you know, it was probably a little bit of people were like, oh, this is something new and refreshing. We don't get very sp- many spooky things at all when it comes to video games. Mm-hmm. And then so you can combine that with the fact that although as bad as they look nowadays, if you go back to 1996, people thought that video game graphics on the PlayStation were incredible. Mm-hmm. So I, th- I think, you know, it was the first realization of something that was truly scary or people could put themselves in that situation. Mm-hmm. Because I can't tell you how many times I've heard people say the dog 
dog in Resident Evil 1 scared the shit out of him. Right. And, all it, and all that happens is it just jumps through a window. It's yeah. like nothing. It's not the scariest thing at all. But I think, you know, in that, in that scenario, it really captured people's attention. And what I think Resident Evil also has done well, you know, to keep to stay relevant, to keep the fire burning with its fans, is it's found the perfect balance between combat, exploration, and scares. Because I think of a lot of horror games nowadays that really focus on maybe one of those things. They're gonna find an audience, Mm -hmm. but they're gonna find an audience within that specific thing, whether it's more walking simulator, horror-esque, something like Visage, or something like Soma. You know, these are, there are fans of these games, but they don't ascend to the next level. Or even something like Outlast, right? It's it's cool, it's scary, but you can't even fight in that game. So I know me personally, I was like, it's not for me. But Resident Evil was able to capture, I think, both sides of the spectrum. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then especially with 4, I think 4 was probably the, the, the perfect blend of that. If you like shooting, mm-hmm. if you liked action, you're going to be satisfied, especially towards the end of the game. If you like the environments and the atmosphere, you're going to be satisfied just due to you know, the level of detail and care that they put into that world. Sure. So I, I think it's probably something you know in that, in that realm. But... Uh, yeah, I don't know how they need to solve the puzzle for outside of video games, though, man, because they, they they haven't figured that one out yet. <laughs> well, the movies were very successful, but speaking of puzzle, that's kind of the element of a series we haven't touched on, and that is mm. that it is, is built on a bunch of crazy, ridiculous puzzles. Um, and I think that is another part of its success is the all the like the puzzle mechanics, you know, getting getting that spade key and then having a whole <laughs> another part of the house to get into or or the police station or wherever. Um, and have been in every game, you know, it's part of the DNA of that franchise is to have uh, puzzles to think about. And, you know, when you when you figure it out, there's that that satisfying feeling. Um, so when you think about between the scares and the action, uh, you got this kind of, you know, adventure game-esque puzzle mechanic. Uh, that's, that's fun, you know? It's, it's satisfying. It is. I will say I have a love-hate relationship with those puzzles, man. There's nothing, <laughs> there is nothing worse than, especially, and it doesn't happen so much anymore because you get, like, maps and stuff, but, like, an old-school survival horror game where you get a key and you're like, where the fuck was that door? Where was that door? <laughs> and, then you, and then you're just running around and uh, you can't find the door or whatever. But, you know, when you finally do use the thing that you got for the purpose that it's for, yes, very, very satisfying. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, it, it, it just opens up a whole new land to explore. So, sure. you know, it's, uh, yeah. And, and what do you think of this Resident Evil 4 remake? Are, is it, are you going to play this? Are you interested? Oh, yes. I'm a sucker for nostalgia first and <laughs> foremost. So, um, yeah, I will definitely play it. Resident Evil 4, you know, top top three PS2 game for me. You know, I've, I've always wanted to go back and replay it. But I every time I've tried to start it, I just... I feel like I'm a little too far past the control scheme. It just feels a, a little too clunky. Mm-hmm. Um, so I end up putting it down after just kind of getting through the village part, right? And mm-hmm. um, But yeah, so, so getting a remake, a full-on remake, you know, Resident Evil 2 is probably, I would, I would say Resident Evil 2 is in the running for the greatest remake of all time, alongside Final Fantasy VII and Shadow of the Colossus probably. So, Adding that level to their best game is going to be exciting. I, I think they have to tread carefully. You know, anytime you remake or remaster these beloved, beloved properties, you have to 
make sure that you're true to the original vision, but still make it fresh and exciting for the new players. But mm-hmm. I, it's gonna look it's gonna look amazing, I'm sure. I just hope they don't try to get too creative with it because I didn't really like what they did with Resident Evil Three and. And I just hope it's it's more of a two remake, less of a three remake. Mm-hmm. And uh, and another the other thing that does make me a little nervous is uh, n- nothing to do with the game itself. Is that we're getting Callisto Protocol in December, we're getting Dead Space remake in January. <laughs> like, am I really gonna want to dive into another scary, spooky game in March? I think it's March. Yeah. Um, you know, am I really gonna want to do that? So it might be something I play down the road and not at launch, but I will definitely play it at some point. Sure, sure, sure. And then, as far as Resident Evil Nine, uh, where mm. what do you what do you think they're gonna do, or what do you want them to do? Uh, uh, I think the answer to that is hidden in the Winter's DLC uh, right now, which is Resident Evil Village was first person, but with the DLC that they're adding, which I think comes out this week, if I'm not mistaken, it's, it's super close. Okay, so two weeks. Uh, they're adding third person mode, so I think that right there is probably them you know, uh, testing the waters for our, do we have the ability to do both of these? Because I'm sure if they listen to fan feedback, they're going to have a pretty, I don't know if it's 50, 50, but I think it's pretty close. Like, you know, probably slightly in favor of the third person viewpoint, but I, myself included, I know there's a lot of people that really dig what they did with first person. So to have the the option to do both right out of the gate, would be huge and if they don't do it right out of the gate i think they'll i think they'll stick with first person and and add in a third person like they did with village but i I would bet that they do both sure yeah i agree with you i bet you it'll be both i think we've said as much in earlier podcasts uh do you have any i i don't even know i'm gonna ask you because you don't play these games for the story (laughs) (laughs) no you so i mean whatever it is you're just you're just there <laughs> yeah, I mean, I know they've said they they've finished the Ethan Winter saga. Thank God, because he's he's a man with no face. It's hard to care about a man with no face. Um, so I don't know, man. I mean, Leon is my boy. I guess if I had to pick anybody, just <laughs> just because uh, you know, four four is my favorite by far. Outside of seven, I, I like it more than seven, but. I, again, I don't like Ethan Winter, so he can fuck right off. I don't have any affinity. Jill, Jill's the the girl from the first one, right? Yes. With the beret, and she's in so. five as well. Okay. Yeah, it's probably time to go back to Jill. I think that's. I think it's probably time to go back to Jill. It's been a minute, you know, and I don't know if they would want to go right back to Leon after doing four remakes. So I don't and, know. And, and I get Jill is in three too as well. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I hope they. I hope they can stay away from the existing characters. I think. The, it's more interesting if the you know the, the established characters are are on the sideline. You know, maybe they make a cameo like Chris did in the, the more recent Resident Evils. But you know, they're not they're they're nothing special. They're just people. You know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I I almost wonder if they like should start like. It's interesting because any video game franchise that has made it to this number of games, like nine, right? Having a nine. The only ones I can think of are JRPGs, which have standalone stories, right? Mm-hmm. Final Fantasy is not tied to any of the other ones, or same thing with Dragon Quest. Um, so it's it's weird because you start introducing new characters, and you have to probably introduce this new reason that is tied to Umbrella Corp, and this new reason <laughs> that is tied to um, Raccoon City, and, and you start shoehorning things in. So yeah, it'd almost be interesting if they just kind of not reboot the series, but mm. I don't know, figure out a way to 
to make it its own thing because I don't want I don't I don't want a game full of half-assed connections to what's already happened. Like it never works out when they do that kind of stuff. So, mm-hmm. um, but I don't know if I if I if I would you know had an idea I'd be a writer at Capcom I guess. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I guess we'll see. We'll have to probably probably be a, a minute before we get another Resident Evil announcement. So yeah. Uh, but we still have Resident Evil 4 to look forward to. So, Woo. all right. Moving on, I'm going to take the next two topics as I've been uh, playing some games. Uh, the first one being I finally got through the queue and I got <laughs> into Overwatch 2. Finally. Woo. Ooh. Ooh. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, Overwatch 2 is very misleading. I do not think it should ever have been called Overwatch 2, but whatever. What does that mean? Because it is just plain Overwatch. Nothing really has changed very much. As we mentioned before in our state of Blizzard, that it has moved to a free-to-play method. And when you take it from that perspective, if I was, you know, 15, no money... Overwatch as a two is an amazing proposition. You know, thirty-five heroes. You know, great multiplayer. You know, it's classes. It's like it's that same game that won Game of the Year in twenty sixteen. But I think if anyone has played that game in twenty sixteen, if you're coming to this, you're going to be really, really disappointed. Um, yeah. Uh, outside of a few new heroes, a few new maps, there is. There's not a lot different here. You know, a few characters have been fine-tuned, but, man, I, I played a few of the... I played Mystery Heroes first, which, because that's just the fun mode. It just, you randomly spawn as any character, so that was fun. And then I was just playing a few competitive matches, and I'm like, man, this game has not changed. This is the same map I played with the same character. Nothing's changed on them. It's just... Gross. Uh, it's just like, yeah, what what is going on? And... You know, as we mentioned, COVID was a thing. Video game development is a thing. And, uh, you know, and Blizzard's going through a lot right now, as we talked about last week. But, yeah, I, this game is this, this game is not, not, not great. It's Yeah, it really should have been from the get-go a, a, an update to the game announcing they're going free-to-play. Don't put a two on it. I'm mm-hmm. sure they did it for shareholders and things like that, but... All, all that this type of stuff does, man, like we talked about last week with Blizzard, it just it just harms the brand. It harms that Blizzard magic that I, you know, one could argue is not even a thing anymore. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, it's, it's just, I've only heard disappointment. I'm not an Overwatch guy. It's crazy to see, though, that a team like Blizzard puts out a sequel to a Game of the Year winner. And it's received this way. I, like mm-hmm. you said, it's not a terrible game by any stretch of the imagination, but it would be like God of War Ragnarok coming out and just kind of being like like everything, like nothing is moved, no needles moved at all. <laughs> it's the same exact shit. And, you know, it gets a 79. It's like, is it bad? No, but this is not what we right. were, were, were hoping for. And I don't know, man. It just, it, it sows more doubt into Blizzard as a team, you know, but... If I was that 15-year-old boy, I, I would definitely look at it, but I can't imagine I would choose that over Destiny 2 or over Fortnite. You know, I'm not, I haven't played Fortnite, but everybody fucking, like, it, it's crazy, you know, it's crazy how that game is still as strong as it was, and mm-hmm. everybody who who plays it now is just like, yeah, it's actually a great game. Like, you know, if you can get behind the, or past the flossing and all that V-Bucks and all that kind of <laughs> stuff, but... 
It's, it's disappointing, man. You know, uh, if you want to look, watch any more of it, check out Dunkey's latest video. He has some more thoughts on that too, <laughs> and in you know, talks about it in true Dunkey ways. But um, you know. it, the game does uh, is is very fast. Like everything's fast. Like like matches load fast. When you know, once once a game it says you're in a game, you're in a game. Like that's that's great and all. Um, I want to ask you about a ch- what they did to the competitive mode because you play nope. competitive Rocket League. Okay. And in Rocket League competitiveness, you know, typically when you win or lose a game, you're you typically either rank up or down, or rank down, or you stay the same. Like you get kind of some kind of an instant feedback, right? Yeah. In Overwatch, your rank does not adjust until you have seven wins or twenty losses, and then your ranking adjusts. How do what? you feel about that? <laughs> I don't understand it. Like what? So, so okay. So let's let's just say in in, in you're a gold, right? We're gonna use Rocket League terms because that's yep. what I know. So if you're a gold yep. and you win seven matches, you would go up to gold two, or well, like you would get you would get re-ranked basically. So you don't know where you would be. So you might be gold two, or you might make it to uh, platinum. You don't know. So that that the, the minuscule adjustments would be gone. You would just get the feedback. Like I said, every seven wins or twenty losses, you would you would move somewhere. So I just don't understand the lopsidedness of those numbers. Like, <laughs> why is it not ten and ten or five and five? Or is there a reason? I don't. I honestly don't know. No, I I, I don't know either. I just I think. Like, I, what is that? Benefit. So the community does not like this, as you can imagine, and their thought is that this is to keep you playing longer. So, you know, like if I want to see what my rank is and I'm at, you know, four or five wins, you know, maybe I'm going to play until I get that seventh win, you know. So, yeah. So their thought That's is, gross. you know, like, hey, every time I hop on, I don't know what happened to my rank. Like, you know, I just I played 10 games, but I didn't reach any of those those numbers. And then, you know, because you went like because you went four wins, six losses, nothing would adjust. Right. Yeah. Ugh. Yeah, dude. Like that's that's why I enjoy Rocket League. Because, yeah, like you said, it's immediate. Like if I know if I am a diamond two and I lose two games, I'm going to diamond one. If I win two games, I'm going up to diamond. Like it's that's, it's it's predictable. Yep. And that's how it used to be. So, it, yeah, it's, it, it's, it seems like every <laughs> single decision that this game has made is just the wrong one. I, yeah. You know, I, again, I don't know the game very well, but can you speak a little bit more to this whole like there's only one tank thing now and and the tanks have been the tanks have been incredibly buffed or something? And that's like throwing some things off. I'm not I'm not sure what like what's up with that. Uh, Yeah, I don't know. I'm assuming they did this to either make games faster because you know games can't be in a stalemate because that's what tanks can do right you know reinhardt has a shield orisa can do shields uh tanks you know as they do in most video games they can soak up damage so they draw out matches longer so i'm my guess is that they did this to make games quicker you know how long was it how long was an og overwatch match you know approximately long i mean 10 to 20 minutes, you know, if you if 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 it went the distance like it was back and forth, yeah, it'd probably be like a 20 minute match. Um so I don't I I don't have much thoughts on that other than it really throws off the game a lot because a lot of strategies were around if you had more than one tank or say your whole team wanted to go tanks. Um right. you couldn't be the same character, but you could run 
all tanks. Um, so I, yeah, I don't know. I just, it just kind of limits the strategy of the 5v5, um, in, in my opinion. Um, but again, I'm not nowhere near a pro at this game, and I don't, I don't watch professional Overwatch, so I can't speak to that. But in my mind, I think it, it limits the game uh, to have mm. just one tank in, in competitive Overwatch. Well, I'm glad I'm uh, not a huge Blizzard fan, because <laughs> I would be very concerned about the future of the company. Oh, yeah. The honeymoon phase is going to be over, if not already. Um, yeah. They had some broken characters that they, they had to disable uh, a few. So, yeah. Because <laughs> they were breaking the game. Um, oh, so, good. Um, and a game, a game meant to where, you know, what you said, 35 characters. So the yeah. balancing has to be perfect. And they didn't have the balancing down at launch. Good job, guys. <laughs> so. So I, my time with it is probably coming to an end. I'll probably maybe do a few matches here and there, just the the, the, the reminisce about yeah. my times with Overwatch. And I and I do love the characters. I love all the character designs. But but yeah, okay. it's it's done. Like for well, me. when when you when you stop, I need you to snap your PlayStation Five in half. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Since it's not a physical disc, that's the only way you can quit that game. Yeah, that's right. You're right. It is. It really is the only way I can ever quit it. It'll always be there. So, <laughs> But let's move on to a much better game, a game that puts a smile to our face, and that is The Last of Us Part 1. Well, been... at least a smile to my face, maybe not yours. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I, I'm enjoying it. I mean, yeah. as we've talked about, with Naughty Dog is like, man, their characters are so good. And to go back to this game and see those characters <clears throat> again, but even more detailed, like Tess and Bill look incredible. Like um, I'm about, I'm at the, I'm in Pittsburgh, if, if you okay. you know where that's at. Um, so I just left Bill um, and I just, I just fell in the basement. If people know what part that is, I don't like that part. So I had to stop. <laughs> <laughs> Getting out of that basement sucks. It does. <laughs> you, it really like, does. You turn on that generator and it's like all hell breaks loose. Yeah. <laughs> so so I stopped there, but uh, yeah, just like, again, there's so much that's said, but not really said. You know, like the after the, the harrowing opening, you're just introduced to Joel in a room and Tess barges in. And there's so much just said on their faces, the way they interact with each other. You know there's a history there. You know they've been through a lot. And that's, it's like what Naughty Dog does best. And it just, like, I'm smiling every time, like, they're interacting. And, you know, Ellie's being silly and reading a joke book. And, and, and you can tell, like, <laughs> Joel's just being frustrated with it, but he's just going with it. Mm -hmm. and, and then just seeing, like, because since you know what happens, you know, I've only played through the game once, so this is my second time through it. And just seeing, you know, how he finds her so grating at first, but she's slowly chipping away at him. You know, that yeah. gruff, scary Joel is turning into more and more, you know, um, you know, heartwarming and, and open. Fatherly. Yep. And yes, of course, fatherly. Um, so it's just, it's just so good. Um, and about what has changed, I had to watch a video because <laughs> I don't remember <laughs> what was in Resident Evil, uh, or Resident Evil, uh, <laughs> The Last of Us Part 1, the remake on PS4, and now this one. And 
I mean, the game does look incredible, but I didn't know, like, well, well the, first, the, the original game was pretty incredible looking, too. Um, but watching videos about it, it's like, oh, my God, like, the density of just all the areas. There's more detail. You know, there's more fauna. Um, you know, when you get into those grassy open fields, they just look incredible. And it's just all the, all the things that they added to the game. And then even when you load into the game, there's just so much. There's You can customize this game to your heart's content of, like, difficulty colors enemies you know like it's just it's a pretty great product you know yeah um it does there's no changes to the combat which i'm bummed about uh i loved i thought last of us part two was finally naughty dog making a game that was fun to play not just you know experience and live in the world you know especially in particular with the gunplay and the combat um so unfortunately, there's no change to that in Last of Us Part 1, so it still has that, that, that weapon sway that I can't stand. And sometimes I feel like I'm missing shots that I should hit. Um, and it's, it's a shame, too, because the AI is incredible. I, I forget all about how those guys, the enemies, like would just, just try and circle you. And it's like yeah. it makes these firefights so intense because I'm like trying to get, waiting for this guy to poke his head out who's behind cover. By, while tensely knowing his buddies are trying to circle around me and just come swinging at me. Um, it's just, man, what a good game. <laughs> Would you be upset if you spent $70 on this game at launch? Uh, hmm. I, if I had not played the game, no. Now there's not a chance. Like, right. I mean, if you have not played this game, there's not a, this game's incredible. Like, right. But as someone who has played the game... And, I mean, I love Last of Us, but it's not like a top-tier franchise to to me uh, personally. Mm-hmm. Even though I love it so much, it makes it gives me all the feels. Um, I don't I don't think I would. And like I said, I didn't. <laughs> I could have. So it so it sounds like this should this probably should have been a fifty dollars game in your in your eyes. Yeah, I, like, yeah, okay. I would recommend if if you have any interest, just wait for it to be on sale because yeah. that'll that'll be pretty soon. I bet. Um, and then, have you gotten to any like I? I never played Left Behind, the DLC mm-hmm. to the to the first game. Have you gotten like first off? Have, did you play Left Behind when that came out back in the day? I think I started it, and then something must have happened. I didn't finish it, so I don't think I saw the conclusion of it. Um, so, is it its standalone thing, or is did they somehow work the story into into the the main game? Because I know this, I know it's included with this package. Mm-hmm. It's. It's a standalone thing. It's a separate menu okay. option that even when you click on it, uh, when you boot the game up, it's like beat the last of us first. <laughs> so no, I want to ruin it. <laughs> so okay. So, I mean, you can okay, yeah, play it, but it gives you a warning that hey, you should finish Last of Us. Yeah, and I'll definitely. First. Yeah, I'll definitely want to do that. I just I was curious. I didn't know if maybe they figured out a way to to make it seamless. Or I, mean, I, I know it's about like kind of Ellie and a friend that she has that's not in the main game, so they probably. It would have been hard to do that, but that's yeah, fine. You know, I, no big, no big deal. Again, I haven't finished it, but I believe it's how she gets the bite. Is okay. Is what happens. So, yeah, that, that would make sense. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, this is a great primer for the show, which we united. We've <laughs> been chopping at the bit at, so mm, it's like, oh, cannot man, wait. All this is gonna be covered in the show. Oof. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, That's good, man. I mean, I'm I'm excited to check it out too. I can't wait. Yeah. I, that'll be that'll be a third playthrough for me. 
And even the human-on-human human violence, uh, I mean, if they have that in the show, oh, God. They, though they will. I mean, fuck <laughs> the they will. But the guy who did Chernobyl with Druckmann out of hand and it's at HBO, yeah, that's a recipe for violence. Yeah, this, 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 this show will be something. I, again, it's like playing yeah. the game that's in the back of my mind. is like, man, I'm going to have to see all this. And, and I can't wait to see Nick Offerman's Bill because I forgot how crotchety Bill is, but also very likable. Yeah. You know? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> great character. <laughs> so, so yeah, good things on that front. I do plan on completing it and platinuming it as well. So, I will probably do that this weekend. Wonderful, yeah. wonderful. Mm-hmm. So, All right, final tier. Let's do All it. right, guys. So much to Nick's chagrin, you know, he, you know, a little, little bit behind on how, how the sausage is made. I'm very bad at picking my topics, guys. I, I procrastinate. <laughs> I've always been a procrastinator. I don't give Nick enough time to prep, uh, you know, which causes him anxiety. And then he gets yells at me <laughs> and then it's this whole thing, right? So what I decided to do is I made a, you know, a kind of a fun interactive thing that I thought we could kind of do over the course of a couple weeks. Um, you know, might not be each and every week from here on out, but we can bring it back when we need to fill something in. And I, I've, I enjoy this kind of stuff. So anybody who is familiar with the greatest sporting event of the, of the year, that is March Madness, is familiar with a bracket. Mm-hmm. So what I've decided to put together is the definitive PlayStation Pals franchise bracket okay and so i didn't go all the way out with 64 because that would have been insanity uh but i did pick 32 franchises from the playstation sphere now don't yell no i don't want anybody to write in and be like you rank these incorrectly you know this franchise isn't as good as this one or whatever the case i also don't want anybody to write in and say like well sony doesn't technically own that it's a little bit of here and there all right i took some liberties with it but i think it's a pretty (laughs) it's a pretty good list to capture the big important things from playstation um and so yeah i just want to kind of go through um maybe the first four matchups because again i got i got them seeded one through eight with obviously a one a one seed playing an eight seed a two seed playing a seven so and so forth and then we'll we'll keep whittling it down whittling it down whittling it down until we have the uh definitive playstation champion so um again nick i ranked these so this will be all entirely decided by you um but uh yep yep i mean i'll vote but like i put the i put the list together so like obviously one's better than two two's better than you know what i mean so like We'll talk about it, you know. We'll, we'll, I'm sure hopefully we get some, some, uh, you know, some upsets and things like that. But right. Can we do this match so, by match? Can we do it match by match? Like, what I do don't mean? know if you're going to list off all the matches for, uh, once, or are we just going to go game by game? I, I, I was going to go match by match, yeah. Okay, good. So, yep. so in our first, first uh, region, right, we'll call this, this will be the north region. We're making it now. This is the north region. Due to the number one seed in the north region... God of War, baby. Of course, Norse, <laughs> Norse, Norse man, Kratos, God of War, number one. Do you do you agree with that ranking, Nick? Is that probably appropriate? Yeah, of course. That is okay, a top tier gaming franchise. Good. All right. Can it be taken down by a game I've never played, but I know some people respect it, and that's Ape Escape, number eight, <laughs> Ape Escape. What do What do we think, Nick? Come on, what do we think? <laughs> I've never Come played, on. I never played Ape Escape either, so this is not even not even a question. I it know. God of War. <laughs> All right, yeah, that's fair. We will move God of War. Kratos goes to round two to destroy somebody else. I'm sure probably the next round. 
All right, now uh, next matchup we have a four versus a five. Okay, okay. and this is one of our. This is one of this used to be a uh, major Sony franchise. It is not any longer. It is not owned by them. But I feel like we have to show a little bit of respect. Number four seed, Spyro the Dragon. Mm-hmm. All right, and then we're picking on number five seed. A OG PlayStation franchise hasn't had a lot of shine lately, but uh, you know, still, still a, a, a one to respect, and that is Wipeout. All right. <laughs> so we have number four, Spyro the Dragon, versus number five, Wipeout. What are we thinking, Nick? Uh, I have. Don't don't Wipeout, overthink it. And I did not play Spyro, but that that's a tough one. Who are you, who would you pick? I have a, so I have different. a very, they are very different. And you know, when I, when I put this together, I just did randomizer. So like, it's not like, you know, I'm not trying to give any favorites here, but it is very different, hard to compare games. Mm-hmm. Um, Spyro the Dragon is my childhood. It's, it's, mm-hmm. you know, it's a really hard game for me to not just have soaked in nostalgia. And so for me, I would pick Spyro. I, I'm a fan of platformers. I'm mm-hmm. a fan of collect, of collecting things. Um, and I don't have a ton of experience with Wipeout. I, I've played it. Uh, the VR game is actually pretty fucking dope. But when I was getting my racing fix back in those days, I was either playing Need for Speed or Gran Turismo. So mm-hmm. uh, I would personally go with Spyro the Dragon. But you know, this is a this is you know this is a PlayStation Pals you know uh, combined <laughs> effort here. So no, I, I I think I'm with you. I think Spyro is. I I'm not a big racing guy, so I think yeah. And Spyro will keep things interesting. Since it is well, a franchise you care about, yeah, and you know, also too, if we're just thinking of like sales and things like that, you know, the the Spyro was a dominant juggernaut franchise on the PS One. I think it's like to this day the ninth or tenth best selling PlayStation franchise out there. So, so just in that that alone, I think we're good to move Spyro to round two to get slaughtered by a crazed Norseman. <laughs> uh, let's see. All right, three versus six matchup. All right, mm-hmm. this game. Spy, Insomniac Studios. Okay. Any guesses? Any guesses? Which one do you think it is? Ratchet and Clank. No. 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 <laughs> Number three. No. You know what? I'm an idiot. I'm an idiot. I don't. I don't. I totally don't host a PlayStation podcast. Sucker Punch. This is by Sucker Punch. <laughs> <laughs> Disregard me entirely. <laughs> uh, it's Let's a number three. P- so I'm gonna say. Yep. It's P. Oh, okay. You're gonna give a big clue then. It sounds like. I was say it was on PS3 and PS4. Um, infamous. Three. Yep, Infamous. So uh-huh. we have Infamous versus our number six, Resistance. That is the Insomniac <laughs> property. So number six, Resistance. I know it's your favorite. Uh, I well, I have played every game in both of these franchises. That is good. Um, but I will say this about Resistance: it's leave it dead. Please, <laughs> I cannot take another red nope. thread about bringing that franchise back. It was not good, okay? <laughs> Those guns are sweet, Nick. The tracer gun is dope, right? Was, when you get to shoot that thing into something and then go hide behind some cover and just shoot into the air and it kills what you want, that's amazing. I love that thing. Uh, it's the most forgettable franchise. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it You're not wrong. The best, uh, E3 demos is for Resistance 2 because the they did live demos back then. And the Wasn't guy it a fucking died. travesty? Yeah, and guys, <laughs> and the guy almost died in the demo. Like, like the like the red. You know how in first-person shooters, one of the biggest tropes is having that red, the red hue around your guy. Like he was so close to dying, and and uh, he got through it. He got through it. But I, <laughs> it is a famous E3 moment of 
you know, he would have been the guy yeah. to die on screen. And with those demos, who knows what would have happened if he did. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah, I can only imagine how red his face was. So. <laughs> I mean, I get nervous when my friends are watching me play something. They're like, don't die, don't die, don't die, don't die. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> just in front of millions of people was playing a game. and <laughs> Yeah, no that. way, man. <laughs> so, All right. So, uh, I, this what are we thinking? Not even, not even close. It's yeah. infamous, unless, unless you think otherwise. No, it's the correct choice. It's the correct choice. Yeah. All right, and then we have our second seed versus our seventh seed. In uh, this one, you know, I don't think it needs any introduction. It's a it held the title of the uh, mascot platformer for the seer, or for the console for the entire PS3 generation, and that is Ratchet and Clank. Mm-hmm. Ratchet and Clank number two going against number seven, Motorstorm. Motorstorm. <laughs> I know these are easy, Nick, but you know we got to get through. We got to get through some of the uh, you know the True. easy ones first. Yeah, no, and I mean once we start getting <laughs> whittled down, then it's gonna get yeah. really hard. I mean, yep. obviously, this is not even not even a choice. Uh, even though I did like Motorstorm, it was one of the early PS3 games that was actually quite fun. You know. Yeah. But uh, well, it was uh, was fun. that was that Evolution? Yeah. Like was that that was Evolution? Okay. Yeah, no, it's Ratchet and Clank again. You know, something that I I've played every single one of those mainline games. I love them to death. There's just pure video game fun, and uh, you know, it's a series that's still going. It's been around. I think the first one came out in like 2002 or 2003, and it's still going strong today. And uh, Motorstorm has obviously been left behind for other things. So, yep, I don't think it's a contest either. Um, so just to kind of read off what we got going into round two now. Next round we will have God of War versus Spyro the Dragon, and then Infamous versus Ratchet and Clank. Mm-hmm. And and that's our first region for the first uh for the first round. Okay. That that was fun. Yeah. Yeah, you know, and so we got another obvious uh obviously another 24 games to go through in the first round. <laughs> so uh you know, we got some some uh obvious ones and then maybe a couple that you might not be thinking of, but sure. I think overall they are they are pretty good PlayStation representations. So Okay. This is this is pretty clever of you. It, it, now you have a topic for Weeks yeah, now. exactly. <laughs> now I don't have to listen to you bitch at me. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. No, uh, we'll see. Cool. We'll try and figure out a, a way that we can, like, host this so other people can see and keep track sure. of. Sure. Um, we'll, yeah. we'll work on that. But, yeah, uh, and you make it make it all pretty because right now it's just a gross uh, Excel spreadsheet, you know, <laughs> like, like like everything else in our life. So. <laughs> yeah. But, but, okay, yeah. Uh, the reoccurring segment. I love it. <laughs> Perfect. Yay. All right. So that's another six things done. Again, I think I'll apologize for all the issues we had. Like, again. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know, man. Just make sure if there's another, you know, everybody's going to, to Washington, D.C. You don't go this time. All right. <laughs> Just stay home. I hate you. <laughs> <Don't say that. laughs> uh, but, uh, yeah. Um, so. We are going to leave you on a song from Spirit Fair. I completed mm. it. It is a great game. And I don't think we talked much about this, but it does deal with death a lot. And if you've ever had a death of a loved one, this game can be very cathartic for you. I actually really enjoyed how it ended as, okay. as the ideal of accepting death is run throughout the game. And so... That's great, and including in the credits, they they list a bunch of people in their lives that had died. So, um, yeah, and uh, this song plays over those credits. It is called "What Will You Leave Behind." 
Uh, it is by Max LL. He did the whole soundtrack for the game, and this has vocals by Maud Plant Husserick. Very good. Yep. Enjoy the song. And then do we have anything to tease for next week? Uh, I'm getting that damn Cuphead Platinum. I, I only have, all I have to do is, uh, I got the, the store all bought. I just have to beat every boss on Expert, and I've got uh, two of the three islands done. So probably about another eight bosses, and I got it. So wow. I'll be working. Yep, I'll be working on that, and then hopefully uh, finishing up Disco Elysium right after that, because I I think I'm pretty close to the end there as well. So, okay. little wrapping wrapping up for me until you give me Last of Us one, and I'll do that. Sweet, that's a, that's a solid plan. Um, yeah, I plan on finishing Last of Us Part One, and then going right into Plague Tale Requiem, which is coming out uh, this upcoming Tuesday, and hopefully I'll have some time with the game so I can bring it next week. And we're gonna be eating good. We're gonna be eating good for for honestly, <laughs> dude. Honestly, we're gonna be eating good. We got you got Plague Tale now, God of War next month, Callisto Protocol the month after that, the month after that we got Dead Space, and then yeah, we're into it, man. We're we're into some good stuff. Yeah, as long as there isn't any delays, <laughs> we'll yeah. see what happens. <laughs> That's and, wood. Uh, and of course, if if there are, we still got you know PlayStation Plus keeping us keeping us cozy yeah. with all those oh, yeah. games. So, um, oh yeah. Yeah, so the the bracket will return next week, and we I do want to do a God of War 2018 retrospective, you know, mm-hmm. as we start hyping up the upcoming God of War Ragnarok release, we should we should be talking about it. So, yeah, maybe you know maybe first week of, first week of November that'll be like the third or the fourth. You know, it's probably a good time to, to break it out and yeah, and then get get ourselves super hyped. Yep, yep. Oh man, cannot wait. All right, well. Thank you guys again for listening to us. We will be back next week with six more things. All right. Bye, guys. See you guys. Flowing through the seas of time, memories that were left behind bring us closer to the end of this journey. That are still unknown Under getting starlit sky We will learn How to say goodbye And I'll take your hand And guide you through All the steps one takes to A place, a world on sea to us all, but it's okay.
Play.